your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Two wide outs to the left. Mills in the backfield with Martinez. Adrian gets the snap, gives it off to Mills. Mills picks away. He's got 40, 45, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30. Tight rope in the sideline, steps out of bounds, inside the 30 yard line. Gadrick Mills has been a man today here in Lincoln. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Ben McLaughlin and Tim Curran. 12 hours from right now, Husker football pregame coverage here on the Husker Sports Network. You got a game tomorrow. Today, it didn't quite feel like the typical pregame day to me, but pretty close. As close as 2020 will allow, did it feel like we have a game tomorrow? I was uh, on the phone with... uh, some of our friends from Ohio State just to try and get some uh, updates on what's happening in their camp. Uh, did plenty of, of watching Ohio State games from last year um, and obviously got a pregame show ready for tomorrow. And it starts to feel like this is finally going to happen. The team is in Columbus right now and preparing for what's probably going to be their toughest test of the season right out of the shoot tomorrow morning uh, in Columbus, Ohio. I guess uh, on the East Coast it'll be afternoon. But this is the moment we've all been waiting for. We've waited for this. It's been 329 days since Nebraska last played a football game, and it's about time that we get going with another one, and that will happen again tomorrow. we got a busy show coming up here on Sports Nightly. Thanks for spending part of your evening with us coming up here in the first hour of the show we will head over to columbus ohio the voice of the huskers greg sharp is boots on the ground we will get a feel for what the trip was like and what the team is up to right now in preparations for the buckeyes tomorrow also we will tease our cornhusker conversation that will make its uh, recurring appearance on husker game day tomorrow with myself and brendan stye uh, it's a it's a talk we had with Nebraska captain and one of the more intriguing names on this roster the last few weeks is Cade Warner. So we'll talk with Cade about his rise to the top of the depth chart, his rising popularity with the team to allow him to garner that captain status and uh, and just where the wide receiver room is at right now, which is a very popular conversation around Nebraska football the last couple of weeks. Uh, also coming up in hour two, we'll have our college football picks for the week, Big Ten edition, and we'll sprinkle in a couple of top 25. We have our first Big Ten football game kicking off in right about an hour at Camp Randall in Madison, Wisconsin. It's the Badgers taking on the Fighting Illini and Lovey Smith, who took down Wisconsin a year ago in Champaign. So Wisconsin shooting for some revenge here tonight. Uh, also in the 7 o'clock hour, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network and NFL.com makes his weekly appearance. We'll talk National Football League. We'll talk about the pillow fight last night between the Giants and the Eagles. It ended up being a decent game at the end. Good comeback by Philadelphia, uh, but just a a disastrous Thursday night game. And then in the 8 o'clock hour, 
Uh, Tim Curran will have our weekend preview for us. Everything on tap here this weekend besides Nebraska football, now that the Big Ten is returning. We'll have an, our weekend review and our winners and losers segment before we hang up for the evening. As always, lines are open for you. Eight, uh, 531-500-4686. Again, 531 500 4686. That is our Woodhouse Auto Family hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Always love hearing from the fans the day before a game. Um, there's always kind of the, the fire in the belly, so to speak. There's always uh, some concerns. There's always things that they're hoping to see, excited to see. We invite you to call in with your thoughts throughout the evening here as well, the numbers I just threw out. Um, also feel free to shoot us a text. If you don't feel like calling, shoot us a text on our U S cellular text line at those numbers. I threw out five, three, one, five hundred forty six eighty six. Um, some quick thoughts from me before, um, we, we get on to Greg Sharp next segment. I think the biggest thing for me, and this wasn't really that high on my list, uh, really a couple, a couple of weeks ago, but the more this coaching staff talks about the quarterback, uh, situation that that is in front of Nebraska right now with Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey has me intrigued at how this will go tomorrow. I'm expecting Nebraska's offense to have a fair amount of success against Ohio State tomorrow. I, I think there are, I don't want to say weaknesses, but they're not overpowering strengths like we saw from the Silver Bullets last year with Chase Young. Um, that linebacking core is all back, but you lose – uh, a couple of big corners, two first-round corners uh, with uh, with Arnett and uh, with Jeff Okuda, both going in the first round. And you lose kind of their heartbeat of the defense in Jordan Fuller, who I don't know that that's been talked about enough. Uh, talking with some of our friends from Columbus, um, that, that seems to be a bigger loss than – then maybe uh, that wants to be attention to more like a Muhammad Barry type, you know, that, not the guy that's going to go play in the pros, although he may, uh, but a guy that is a vocal leader and, and a well-respected member of the defense. So I do think that there are areas that Nebraska can try and exploit tomorrow. And I think the quarterback play for me has a lot to do with that. Um, then of course, wide receiver, what's it look like? Who are we targeting? What does Wandale look like in the slot? Um, 100% of the time, or I should say receiver hundred percent of the time, as opposed to bouncing back and forth between wide out and running back defensively. I think for me, my intrigue comes with the defensive line, having those guys go up against what's going to be the best unit in terms of talent that they see all season, five, five stars on Ohio State's starting offensive line. That's crazy. That's crazy. Two potential first-round picks this year, another potential first-round pick next year. There is plenty, plenty of talent and size on that Ohio State offensive line. So how does Nebraska's D-line, guys that haven't really started a lot of games outside of Ben Stilley, hold up against that unit tomorrow? That could go a long way in determining how successful the Blackshirts are I don't want to say against stopping Ohio State, but definitely slowing them down. Um, so intrigued to see how that pans out as well. Um, and then, of course, I think linebacker is is pretty self-explanatory in the middle. Uh, I think we know what we have in, in Will Honus and Colin Miller. And, and I think the other big thing is can Nebraska get a pass rush? Can they make Justin Fields uncomfortable? That, that's kind of where I'm at right now, uh, at least what, what, I, what intrigues me most, you know, less than – a little over 12 hours away, I suppose, from, from kickoff between Nebraska and Ohio State. 
Tim, where are you at? I, I think, um, you know, I kind of laid out my thoughts of, of where I think my intrigue lies. What intrigues you about tomorrow? We've, we've heard so much conversation from the coaches, from the media, from everybody else. Rolling the ball out tomorrow. What are you, what are you uh, ex- anxious or excited to see? Yeah, well, I'm anxious to see uh, kind of what you mentioned is, is the quarterback play. Does, does Adrian get this thing rolling early? Because there's going to be a lot of pressure on that young man. And, and a lot of it really not not deserved. I mean, Adrian uh, was banged up a lot last year and, and it caught some heat, I think. Uh, some of it fair, but a lot of it unfair uh, for, for how the team performed last year. But, uh, but again, that's still the, the fan base is going to be on him uh, pretty early. I think the defensive line for Ohio State is what intrigues me a lot. When you don't have Chase Young there to, to terrorize the opposing offensive line, that's obviously a boon for Nebraska. But about how much of a difference will that make? Because we know Ohio State just kind of plugs in place and reloads every year. They still have Justin Fields, of course, uh, Ryan Day looking to roll things over. But um, I, I think if Nebraska is going to be competitive in this one, it's going to resemble a shootout uh, would be my guess. I don't think we're going to be looking at like a 13-6 to <laughs> type scenario. Uh, could be wrong. But I, I think that it's going to be a little bit of a shootout if Nebraska does hope to stay in this one. Um, but, you know, I, I think there there are some things for Nebraska fans to be, you know, confident about. I, again, it's it's a tall order to go into Columbus um, on, on any given Saturday and try and keep things respectable. But um, I, if Scott is any indication on Thursday, he seemed pretty chipper. Uh, I don't know if I want to read the tea leaves too much, but um, you're going to have a revamped special teams unit. Uh, really curious to see how the new LSU grad transfer will fare there. And as we saw uh, with that unfortunate uh, kick uh, that happened <laughs> that went backwards in Columbus a, a little while ago. Uh, it's obviously a good thing to have a revamped special teams. And so, I don't know, I, I think uh, I would characterize my thoughts kind of cautiously, cautiously optimistic. I know Ohio State's missing quite a few players, especially at running back. Um, you know, there's going to be no J.K. Dobbins and, and stuff like that. So, Ohio State's missing a couple pieces, and, and Nebraska has a chance to keep this one respectable. Again, I don't, I'm not going to say pencil in a win for deal Nebraska U, but at the same time, I, I don't think that people should write this one away for Nebraska already. I think Nebraska has shown they were able to be competitive with Ohio State in Columbus a couple of years ago, um, and I, I see no reason why it can't be that uh, tomorrow. Vegas would agree with you that they are not expecting defense to be a strong point in this game with an over-under line of, of 70 points, over 70 points. They're expecting the end zone to be found tomorrow. Hopefully Nebraska finds it just as much, if not more, than Ohio State. We go up to Columbus now. Welcome on. The voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp. You're calling a football game tomorrow. Are you ready to go? Wow. How about that? 330 days since we called the Black Friday game with the Iowa Hawkeyes. Unbelievable. But, yeah, I'm so thrilled to be able to be in Columbus and to watch this football team play because, Ben, we went through four or five weeks there in, in, in August and September where we were we thought we were done until after the first of the year. So to get this cranked up, I'm so excited. I know this team is as well. They, they know what they've got a huge challenge tomorrow, but they're just anxious to get back out and do what they love, and that's playing football. It started to feel real for me about two days ago. That's when I really got the sense that, that it's here, it's back. And, you know, as strange as this is all going to be this year, it felt like it felt, it felt I had the same feeling. And I have to imagine, you know, you being able to travel and get on a plane. You probably, you know, when you got in your car and, and, and head over to the airport, that, it probably felt like somewhat of normalcy for you. What, what's it feel like now that you're there and, you know, this, 
not entirely normal, but you're at least there with the team at a hotel in Columbus and probably, you know, getting that fire in the belly a little bit. Yeah, a lot of it of today was was pretty normal other than, you know, you you aren't here and Mike Elliott's not here and so, you know, so we don't have our full crew in, in person for this one. All that has felt normal, though, with the travel and checking into the hotel and watching the team walk in and get get a meal here tonight. And then they're going to go into their breakout rooms here in a, a little bit. All oh, that's normal. The, the oddity is going to be tomorrow, pulling up to the horseshoe and not, you know, not having the bus go through all the tailgates and all the people and all the vendors on the streets. That's where it's going to seem odd. And then you know, looking out when they're getting ready to kick it off and nobody being out there. that That's where the oddity of this is going to come in. But, you know, the sports world's been dealing with that, right? I mean, Major League Baseball played their whole regular season with no fans. The NBA went through their playoffs with no fans. So we've been, as sports fans, we've been watching a lot of this type of thing. I think we're just all grateful that the teams that we love and the athletes that we like to support are out there competing for, for all that. But today, you're right, it was really normal. I mean, watching the guys in the buses pull up and then getting on the bus and having the police escort from the airport to the hotel and all that's been pretty normal and i know that's what the coaches want is just to make this as normal as possible well you've spoke with some of the coaches you've spoken with coach frost a few times and i you know i've asked this question to a couple of the players and and former players and even media people that, that we've talked to this week in your eyes what's a fair expectation for the fans with this coaching staff in year three. I mean, this is, I know this has been a strange year. It's been a strange year for everybody. But now that this coaching staff has had a few classes, they've got their quarterback, they've, they've got some things that didn't have figured out year one, figured out now getting ready to start year three, what's a fair expectation to, to put on the, on the coaches for what and the players, I suppose, for what we're going to see this year? I think it's one word, improvement. We all want to see improvement. And, and what we've watched the last two years has just not quite been good enough. And, you know, we, we can all recite the close losses that this team has had, and that's not doing the little things to win games. We want to see that gap closed. Uh, we want to see this team be better on special teams, be more, you know, on par with everybody they play week in and week out. You want to see the defense put more pressure on quarterbacks, force more turnovers, more mistakes. On offense, you want to see a good balanced attack uh, with between the run and the pass. And, and I think all that's doable with this team here in 2020. Now, tomorrow certainly is a huge challenge. I, I, I don't think any of the coaches have even backed away from saying that, that this is a really good football team. They have to play tomorrow in Ohio State, one of the best teams in the country. But having said that, you can still show improvement by playing against them. You know, take this game into the second half and make it, make it competitive. Make Ohio State work for every point that they put on the board. Don't give them short fields. Don't give them a lot of big plays, and that's if you can limit those and then try to move the ball yourself and find the end zone and find the scoreboard a few times offensively, I think that would be a good thing for tomorrow. But for the season, I definitely think this fan base should expect this program now in year three for Scott Frost to show improvement across the board. And that all that begins with this one here tomorrow. Before we jump to Ohio State, let's let's jump to the defense a little bit. Where, where in that group in particular we've talked a lot about this over the last few weeks but you know about 24 hours um from now we'll have a lot better idea when this game's over but wh where are you most confident in the defense right now as it sits you know about 15 hours from kick 
I like our secondary. I think we've got people who can can cover. I, I love the two corners in Cam Tater, Brett, DiCaprio, Boodle. I think getting Deontay Williams back is a huge pickup at safety. Markel Dismuke, you know, is going to lay it on the line. And then I, I, I think there's some depth behind those guys. The Quentin Newsoms of the world uh, can, can't wait to see. Maybe maybe we get a glimpse tomorrow of Ronald Delancey, the true freshman from Miami, who I think has opened some eyes in the camp. So I, I think the secondary is probably the strength of that defense. I think the defensive line's got some nice depth. I think they're going to be okay up front in this one tomorrow. That linebacking core, love Will Honus and Colin Miller. We'll see what happens behind them tomorrow. And so I, I think this defense will play really hard and, and hopefully they can accomplish a few things. Get some stops, make Ohio State punt, get a couple of turnovers in the game. You know Ohio State Ben's going to make big plays. You know they're going to put points on the board. You just have to have a bit of a short memory after you give up points or a big play to go, okay, shake it off, let's go to the next play. If they can do that, I think they'll acquit themselves well here tomorrow. Other than a Heisman Trophy uh, contender at quarterback, five five-stars on the O-line, an all-Big 12 rusher from Oklahoma and Trey Sermon, and a first-round picker receiver, they don't have a whole lot on offense. <laughs> um, when you when you look at, at what they do well, and, and even going back to last year, how surgical that offense was against the Blackshirt defense, um, I mean, I, I know we're all kind of hoping that there's some first game jitters out there, but h- how do you how do you slow them down, or or, yeah. or is it just you hold them off for as long as you possibly can, and and maybe try and throw a f- few punches back at them? That's the the great question. Where do you start? I mean, a lot of teams you say, well, you got to start to try to stop the run. Well, that's. That's one thing. And they don't have J.K. Dobbins. So, I mean, I, I like Trey Sermon, the transfer from Oklahoma that you alluded to earlier. Is he J.K. Dobbins? I don't know. I, I, need, to see, I need to see him in person more. I'm sure he's pretty good, and, and that offensive line is ridiculously good. And so it'll be a great test for Nebraska's young defensive front. Fields just was so accurate a year ago, so on. Can Nebraska rattle him a little bit? Can they put pressure? Can they get in his face a little bit? Can can Caleb Tanner be disruptive? Can JoJo Doman be disruptive for Nebraska tomorrow? But I, I kind of like, you know, going back to you asked of what I think is the strength of the defense, I think the secondary can do a pretty good job of covering for a while. I mean, it's, I think they can cover Olave and Wilson, two of the bigger offensive threats for Ohio State on the outside. But you got to get some pressure. you got to make Justin Fields a little uncomfortable, a little unsettled. And remember, it's week one for the Buckeyes, too. They may have some jitters. They may not quite be a well-oiled machine yet to start this 2020 season. But, yeah, it's hard to pick where, what do you try to stop with this team. You always – all defensive coordinators, every single one of them will say, you got to try to limit and slow down the running game of the other team. That will probably be the first focus for Nebraska tomorrow. On the other side of the ball, I feel like Nebraska can move it on on them. I feel like particularly the D-line last year and Chase Young gave Nebraska so many problems that they adjusted their their entire game plan almost around on, on one player with Chase Young. And then the, the back end with, with Akuda and uh, Arnett, they're able to just lock in on man-to-man coverage. I, I do think Nebraska will probably be able to run the ball some tomorrow with Mills and, and get some push with their O-line. Uh, when you look at how Nebraska attacks Ohio State offensively for the Big Red, defensively for the Silver Bullets, what do you what are you hoping to see from Scott Frost in terms of the innovation factor uh, to kind of complement that running game to maybe move the ball on these guys? 
I, you know, I think you, know, you you alluded to this earlier in the week on Sports Nightly. Nebraska's schemed up Ohio State pretty well the last couple of years. They've been able to scheme and get some movement. You you know Scott Frost will come up with some creative wrinkles to do that thing. Tomorrow we're going to find out if what we've heard about Nebraska's offensive line is true. We've heard from Matt Lubick that it's the strength of this team. All right, let's see it. Let's see it tomorrow for Nebraska's front five with those guys and Hymas and Farniak and Jurgens and Wilson and Ben Hart. Can they move that front line of Ohio State? I think you're right. I think they can because I don't know that there's a Chase Young or a Nick or Joey Bosa on the other side for Ohio State. Cooper's a really good outside end. Zach Harrison's a good outside end. Not quite sure they're at the same level as Young and the Bosa brothers. So we'll, we'll find out. But we're also going to find out if Nebraska's offensive line is as good as what I think the coaches feel like it is. I'm, I'm really anxious to see that happen tomorrow. Okay, well, I know uh, your night plans are kind of made for you with, with everything, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, putting you guys in a prison there in the, in the, in the Shawshank of Columbus. But uh, anything else that we should be prepared for tomorrow with this game? I know first games are always a crapshoot. You never know what you're going to see. But um, any, any other lingering thoughts through your prep work that we should be aware of and um, should be watching out for tomorrow? Yeah, for the nightlife, I leave that up to you and our, our baseball buddy Chris Webb to go to go explore the places of Columbus. But yeah, we're we're not allowed to leave the hotel uh, in this day and age of COVID. But I think the other unknown factor tomorrow is what's the kicking game for Nebraska going to look like? What's Connor Culp going to look like kicking the ball? Field goal attempts, PATs. What about William Pristup, the new punter for Nebraska? How's he going to hit the ball tomorrow? Those are two guys we haven't seen at all. Anxious to see him. I hope they rise to the occasion and do their job tomorrow. It sure would be nice to see some of those kickoffs sail out of the back of the end zone and make the Buckeyes start a drive from their own 25-yard line. So I think that's one of the big unknowns for tomorrow. What's that kicking game going to look like for Nebraska? Very good. You got your picks submitted. You got you got your uh, first I Big have. Ten ballot into the into the yes. capable hands of Tim Curran. Yes, they are. They are all locked and loaded. They will all be uh, to, to not sound too much like Tim, but they'll all be they'll all hit tomorrow. Uh, the picks <laughs> that I make. Uh, so yeah, looking forward. Uh, don't don't rough me up too much uh, next hour when you guys go through those. Well, I'll text you updates on the Wisconsin game since uh, in Big Ten country, you don't get the Big Ten network where you're at. I'll, I'll keep you posted on how the Badgers are playing. Isn't that ridiculous? The hotel we're in does not have BTN on the on the, the, the little stream here. So. Love yeah, it. Man, rough crazy. Stuff. Appreciate it, Greg. Get some sleep. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow from the big house. Thanks. Yeah, not much. We'll be ready to hand it off to you and Brendan at uh, bright and early at 7 a.m. Sounds good. We'll talk to you then. I think I just called it the big house. I meant the horseshoe. Same thing. Even though those, it's not the same thing to those people. Same thing to us here in Lincoln. And this is more like it. Our Cornhusker conversation. Happy to welcome in now Husker wide receiver and captain Cade Warner. Cade, one of five captains named to this team. Uh, over 150 players. You are one of five selected. What's, what's the feeling, you know, now that you've had some time to wrap your head around it, that your teammates think that of you? It's, it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. Uh, I remember after I got voted captain, I hung out with um, close friends of mine. I just stared at that picture of the five captains for a while, just trying to soak it in, just trying to really, really just take in the moment. And it's amazing. Uh, I'm so happy that my teammates voted me. Um, it's an incredible honor whenever your teammates vote for an award that you win. So it's, I'm blessed to be in the position I am. Um, and it was an incredible day. I'm going to remember for a long time. 
T tell us how you found out. We've heard over the years different ways in which you guys find out. Sometimes it's in front of your team. Sometimes it's individually. How how'd you learn that you're going to be wearing the C this year? Yeah, so we uh, voted before practice, and then we went out and had the practice, and after we all took a knee, and Coach Frost said we counted all the votes, and this year there are going to be five captains. And so I'm sitting there, oh, okay, five. He goes two on the defense, three on the offense. And I go, oh, okay, three on the offense, cool. And then he said the three on the offense, um, Adrian, Farniak, and me. And so that kind of hit me on the side. Of the head. I, didn't, I didn't really think I was in that position. Um, I think I was leader on the team, but I didn't know – I was going to be a captain at all. So um, it kind of hit me on the side, and I was just so many emotions ran through me at that moment. Um, but it was great to uh, hear my name called and all the teammates congratulate me afterwards. Um, so it was an incredible feeling. I know you, you are really close to your family, and, and obviously your dad is going to be the one that everyone wants to ask about. But I scored some major brownie points last year asking about your mom uh, doing this interview. What, what was the phone call like to your parents and telling them that, that this was, this was going to be the situation this year? Yeah, no, she's going to love the interviews today when she sees her name called. But um, so, yeah, I text them and I said, hey, I got great news. Um, I got to finish treatment and I'll call you later. And so immediately they have a ton of thoughts flying around their head. They don't know what I'm talking about. They don't know what's going to go on. But then I call them. Uh, I go, hey, guys, just letting you know, um, I was voted one of five captains today. And I was in a FaceTime with all my family, actually, in our group chat. And they all were just screaming, yelling. I couldn't hear any singular words, just loud noises of excitement. Um, so it was really cool to hear that. And then obviously I got a long text from my mom and dad um, just saying how proud they are of me and that um, the example I've left for this team. Um, and for my younger siblings. So it was a really cool feeling. Um, I love my mom and dad, and I'm, I'm happy to make them proud. Kate, I've been doing this long enough to now to see some pretty incredible progressions of players uh, from where they start at Nebraska to where they end. And you've had a pretty incredible progression yourself, you know, coming from a walk-on to uh, a guy that was going to be a contributor, kind of a spot contributor, to potentially a starter, and now a captain. When you think back to when you first came to Lincoln, what were you expecting out of all of this and, and hoping to get out of this experience? Yeah, no, I talk a lot about expectations. And so I set goals for myself. Most of the goals I haven't reached or didn't reach at the time, and I'm slowly starting to reach them. So my freshman year, my goal was to play and make an impact. Um, that didn't happen. I redshirted, got hurt, um, and I was on scout team all year. Okay, I go to the next year. Next year, um, I got put with the threes and fours in spring ball. So my goal was, okay, hey, my goal was to hey, make the travel squad this year. Um, and I made the travel squad, and then I ended up starting my redshirt freshman year for a couple games. Um, and then, so the expectations I kept having, uh, I kept not reaching. So um, it's kind of cool to finally um, reach a goal of mine. A goal of mine was to be captain. Uh, I didn't know it was going to happen last year, this year, next year. Um, but it's great, it's great to actually get a goal um, achieved. Uh, but as, as I told my family and friends, my job isn't finished yet. This isn't the end journey for me. This isn't the... The, the, the epitome of what I wanted to be, or the peak of the mountain. Uh, so I'm going to keep climbing and, and, and keep trying to reach those goals I set for myself. You'll find out, and I've talked to a number of captains over the years, that the hard part of, of and the responsibility of wearing the C is when things aren't going well. And rarely do things go well every single day for the next nine weeks. You, there are going to be times when your teammates are looking to you for help. What, what kind of um, response do you have to that, Kate? Of You're going to have guys from – all different walks of life, all different years, all different backgrounds, all different positions, looking to you for help. How, how are you going to do your best to relate to your teammates and really help the ones that are calling on you to pull them through those dog days? 
Uh, for me, it's, it's knowing the guys you're leading. So in wideouts, I know we had a meeting. Um, basically, why do you play the game? What is your motivation? What pushes you every day to be the greatest you can be? Um, so the fact that I know, just individually for the wideouts speaking, uh, I know what motivates them. I know why they're playing the game and why they love the game so much. And so by knowing that, you can kind of pinpoint and, and know what you have to say to guys to get the best out of them. And I think um, Lubick and I and the other wideout leaders have done a great job instilling this culture where we all are together and we all are able to sacrifice for each other. And a sacrifice isn't just coming every day and doing your job. Sacrifice is going the extra mile, doing the extra thing, going a little bit harder so you are fatigued and you are tired. And I think that in the wideout group especially, we've had this culture, and I think the other leaders of all the other position groups have came together and said that's what we have to be. We have to be able to team, have, be a team that's willing to sacrifice. Um, come in when it's snowing outside and go out there, no sleeves, and ball out go in the weight room and lift hard after a hard practice. We have to be able to sacrifice and do the things that not other, that other teams won't do in order to beat those teams. And I think that all the captains and all the leaders have done a great job instilling that culture. And I think we do have a team that's willing to sacrifice. Um, we don't have a tough, when we have a tough day. Cade, when we were doing this a year ago, I, w there was so much frustration with how your season had gone with the injuries. And at that time you were finally healthy and it, it felt, it felt really good to be able to, for you to be able to go and contribute and just do the things that you were able to do physically. What did you learn about yourself during that time last year when you were setting those goals for you, but they were hard to reach, not because you couldn't, but just because you're, you know, physically unable to move? Yeah, no, it was a really tough year for me. Um, going from losing fall camp with a stress fracture to then pulling my hamstring um, and then having to play through a torn hamstring. So it was a really tough year for me. I was in a dark place. Um, but I was able to learn um, where my motivation comes from and who I am as a person uh, when I didn't have football. Um, so I had this saying, I mean, it's not my saying, I'm pretty sure it's from Gail Sayers, a book I read when I was young, but it's I am third. And it's God is first, friends and family are second, and football and everything else is third. So uh, that really helped me get through those tough times, realizing that football isn't who I am and it's not just who I am. Um, so I had to lean on other aspects of my life. Um, but then finally being able to go out there and contribute was a great feeling to be out there on the field. Um, it was a tough time coming. It took a lot of weeks. It was a lot of pain, um, but it was a great feeling. And now to be able to be 100% healthy and be able to help this team win football games this year um, is an even greater feeling. So I'm super excited for this season. Um, knock on wood, I haven't had any injuries yet. I feel great um, and I'm just ready to go. When you look forward to this season, Cade, I feel like last year, and I was doing some digging on some numbers today, Coach Frost has lost 15 games as a head coach at Nebraska. Nine of them have been by a touchdown or a less. You guys have been so close in so many games since he's been here. And a lot of times those games, I mean, we could go through the film and I could pick out three plays that changed the outcome. What does Nebraska have to do and what responsibility do you feel and the offense feels about when those times come on that third and seven or that first and goal at the four or whatever it is, the situation to be the team that makes those plays this year? How do you take that next step knowing how close you guys are? Yeah, I think this is the grind every day in practice. I think that guys know how close we are to being a good team and guys know how close we are to getting over that hump and finally seeming like things are going right for us and i think that we're getting over that hump right now um every day we work on end game situations whether it's clutch whether it's four minute two minute um spiking the ball it's it's so many situations so we have to learn how to close out games from a fundamental standpoint 
and from a football standpoint, but also from the standpoint of having the conviction that we are not going to lose this game and we're going to win this football game no matter what needs to be done. And I think Coach Frost preaches conviction a lot, not just to us, but to you guys as well. Um, and I think this team has the conviction to be able to go out there and say, we are going to win this football game no matter what it takes. Well, without further ado, let's make our college football predictions, Big Ten predictions, a couple of top 25 presented by Choices Treatment Center, helping people make positive choices. Just two of us in attendance tonight, Tim. I don't know if we get bonus points for that or not, <laughs> if we're scoring you know, extra credit with the teacher, but we're, we're both present. We're yep. accounted for. Everybody else is MIA, so yeah. we're... Yeah, that's you know, true. We're just gonna make it happen. They're 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 dodging uh, the pick segment. They're worried the heat I was gonna bring them. Um, and speaking of bonus points, I have to call out Josh already because going over last week's results, I think he gifted himself that SMU Tulane game because we added that late. Josh did not have a chance to pick it, but it looks like he just wrote down that he got it right, <laughs> I think, okay. on the thing. So I don't know if we're going to give it to him, but uh, we'll see uh, if we're being if, in a If he ends up like but one point behind somebody, we'll have to like make him – pick a different game or something yeah i agree uh so that, that that's shifty but we're real quick looking at how we did last week uh austin and ben you guys actually led the pack going nine of eleven josh and greg both wow. both went eight of eleven i went seven of eleven seven eleven hey uh that rhymes but uh, i did the worst i was swinging for the fences again uh, we all got the SMU game, right, but besides, including Josh, I guess, who just also just included himself in on that. Uh, Gray got wrong in the BYU-Houston game, that yeah, Friday night game. Upset, right? Yeah, he went for the upset. We, we all picked the Cougs and got it right. Uh, no one got tripped up on Clemson or Miami those games. They're pretty predictable. Greg was the only person who saw South Carolina's upset coming. We all got fooled uh, with Gus Malzahn's crew in Auburn, so that was unfortunate for us. Um, ben, though, you and Josh, as well as Austin, got right on the Kentucky game. Uh, Greg and I were fools and thought that Rocky Top was going to get it yeah. done. Tennessee did, did not. Did you watch that game, Tim? And only a little bit. Uh, did you see the back-to-back -back pick sixes by Kentucky's <laughs> defense? Two I straight possessions, pick sixes. I that saw the crazy. highlights. Uh, Guantan or yeah, Guantan I can't even say his name right. I almost said Guantanamo, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Close enough. We know who you meant. Yeah, exactly. It's not been a. It's it's. I I was high on on Pruitt's bunch last week. Uh, I regret that decision now. I guess I gave him the kiss of death. Uh, Notre Dame held it on against Louisville. Uh, we thought Notre Dame was going to win by a bigger margin. I think we all thought, but the Domers uh, did pull through. So did A&M. No one picked against them. The pirate ship is sinking fast at Mississippi State. Uh, and then North People Carolina. People are blowing holes in that ship. Too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And North, look at this. Across the board, we all got wrong on North Carolina, which yeah. is bad. So Well, we were all trashing, trashing. Florida State's program last week. Exactly. All of us. Yeah, Josh was the only person that got tripped up on Georgia, and uh, I was the only person that got tripped up on Boston College. So that brings us to the recap. Uh, leading the way uh, for this season is still Josh Hulkman, 55 of 70, or maybe 54 of, of 69 <laughs> if we want to be uh, real sticklers about it. Uh, Greg in second place along with me, 53 of 70. Uh, ben, you and Austin bringing up the rear, 52 of 70. So okay, that's how so we're three stand. back. We're only three back. There you go, yeah. Right? 52 and 55. That's that's well, that's a bit pretty amazing that we're all in the same within three of each other. Yeah, I'd say you'd have some chance to make up ground this week, but already not to not to spoil anything, but not going to be a whole lot of disagreement, I think, amongst us yeah. in these games coming up here. Right. Well, the the real bummer was um, for me was South Carolina losing because or winning, excuse me, because uh, that that would have given me one up on Greg as well, and uh, 
Yeah, it would have been nice to, to steal that one. Okay, um, let's go ahead and start with the game that's happening. Uh, we did, we have absentee ballots, correct? We do, uh, from okay. at least from Greg and Josh. Austin got his in as well, it looks like, so there well, we go. Aust Austin, I don't know if we, we you know his excuse is valid or not. He's <laughs> got a rehearsal dinner tonight and some type of wedding or something tomorrow. Yeah, what's that so about? We'll, we'll have to take that under advisement if that is a... You know, an acceptable yeah. reason or not. And Wisconsin nearly just picked off another pass. Good grief, Illinois. Figure <laughs> it out. Give us something intriguing to watch. Yes. Uh, well, we got to answer this game. Wisconsin <laughs> up 7 nothing. really before this thing starts. Do we, do we expect an Illini comeback? Tim, why don't you go ahead and start us off with uh, breaking this one down for us from what you've seen from the orange and the blue so yeah far. the you know i'm not i'm not i'm not inclined to pick against the badgers given what i've seen thus far uh, though i did already write my picks down well in advance i sided with wisconsin uh, it's going to stay that way and though i i know i was probably pretty high uh, on the illinois in our position rankings maybe maybe a little bit too high one might say uh but uh, no i'm signing with wisconsin here i think i think wisconsin is the heady play i think we're going to go ahead and say that wisconsin is the smart play here and they nearly had another interception that that one might have gone for six Illinois just needs something good to happen to uh to, to keep to keep this momentum down for Wisconsin so yeah I'm with you I'm going to pick was or yeah pick Wisconsin in this one and they're about to get the ball back Illinois is just uh <laughs> they're they're not looking great at the moment so yeah give me the Badgers and then our absentees Greg also picked Wisconsin surprisingly so did Josh and so did Austin very shocking across the board okay. very good okay let's move on to tomorrow's games also at 11 just one other game tomorrow in the Big Ten at 11 Rutgers and Michigan State at Spartan Stadium in East Lansing if you're curious from what we're being told from the Rutgers camp Noah Vedrill is listed as an or as the starting quarterback. Mm. So he might take the first snap. He might not against Michigan State. Who you, uh, who you like in this one? Well, Noah Vedrill has me intrigued. Uh, that said, I'm, I'm siding with Michigan State uh, in this one. I remember we had uh, uh, back before our original around the Big Ten got canned uh, when the Big Ten still had was, was thinking they weren't going to play football. I asked their uh, – uh, one of the beat writers that covered the Scarlet Knights, how many games it was realistic to think Rutgers would win this upcoming season. And, of course, that was even with their non-conference schedule. And uh, he thought that one uh, would have been a very optimistic outlook for the season. I'm inclined to agree. I think Greg Ciano might get that program turned around, but it ain't going to happen in 2020, I'm afraid. Give me Sparty. I'll take Sparty. Uh, most people know by now on this show I don't pick Rutgers to win ever. <laughs> and uh, that, that, that way of thinking will continue in 2020, at least until they start winning some games. I, hope, hopefully for Rutgers' sake, Shiano isn't an automatic L like Chris Ash, like everybody else before him. But I'm not seeing it. I'm not yep. seeing it tomorrow. Uh, give me uh, Michigan State. And give me Mel Tucker's first W as a head coach yeah, for the that's, Spartans. That's a safe bet, and that's uh, also what Greg, Josh, and Austin did as well. They also believe in the Tucker and have gone with Michigan State. What a shocker. Okay, 230, FS1, 8th-ranked Penn State against Indiana, the Hoosiers in Bloomington. Penn State under a touchdown favorite, only 6.5 points in this one. Uh, who do you, how do you see this one going? Yeah, I think that Indiana – uh, that, you know, with, with Tom Allen at the helm has actually shown some great improvement. And, you know, as Nebraska saw when they came into Memorial Stadium a couple of years ago, they, they gave the Huskers a heck of a time. And uh, that said, I'm still going to give James Franklin's bunch 
the edge in this one. I think Penn State probably has just a few too many horses for Indiana to take care of. But I, I think it'll be close. But give me Penn State in the end. I think it's going to be close. And, and like I said on Sports Nightly, um, what was it? Last week, the week before, I don't know if it's because I talked to Zach Osterman or what, but I'm kind of all in on the Hoosiers right now, and i got to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to pick Indiana to win at home and, and finally get an upset over a big team. I really like their quarterback. Penix is finally healthy. I love their wideouts uh, with Fry Fogel and with Watt Fillier. Uh, their defense concerns me a little bit. Losing Marcelino Ball to that, that ACL injury could really hurt them, but I like Indiana. I like Tom Allen. I, like I said before, i got to put my money where my mouth is, and this is a good time to do it. So I'm calling for the upset. I'm picking the Hoosiers. Well, there you go. Uh, you're, I, a cynical person would say you're probably only doing that just to get some <laughs> get some separation here in the picks. But, uh, yeah, Greg, Josh, and, and Austin all sided with me in Penn State. So a uh, chance for you to make up some ground there, Ben. All right. Well, we'll see how that how it goes. Um, risky to be the only one on an island <laughs> and uh, as you were on the Boston College Island last week yeah, so we'll see yeah. how that goes yeah also at 2:30 on BTN Iowa and Purdue keep in mind as we found out no Rondale Moore no Jeff Brom so arguably not arguably the two biggest pieces uh, for Purdue off the chessboard already in West, La- West Lafayette and, and need I remind you the head the defensive coordinator for the Purdue Boilermakers, Mr. Bob Diaco. <laughs> so he gets another crack at those Iowa Hawkeyes, Tim. Yeah, uh, he's going to get another crack, and uh, I don't think it's going to go very well for him. Uh, you know, look, the Hawkeyes uh, may not be a juggernaut, but they're a consistent program in Purdue. Uh, they're missing quite a lot, especially on defense. And now with, with the fact that there's not even going to be a Rondell Moore and your head ball coach isn't even going to be coaching this one, uh, it, it would take a lot for Purdue to win this one. Uh, so I'm going to start with the Hawkeyes. That, that said, Purdue ha- have, you know, shocked a few teams, namely Ohio State in recent years. But uh, no, give me, give me Iowa in this one, and it's, it's probably not going to be all that close either. I think Iowa pulls away in the end. It's only a three-and-a-half-point spread, and I don't know how much that, that changes. I don't know if this is reflected with Rondale Moore or not, but we'll, we'll, you know, we'll just kind of see how this plays out uh, for Purdue missing all these pieces. Um, I think Purdue's going to be feeling the strain a lot tomorrow. <laughs> I really do. Give me the Hawkeyes. No reasonable reason for, for anyone to disagree, which is why Greg, <laughs> uh, Josh, and Austin. I forgot about that one. Oh, yeah. They're all signing with the Hawkeyes as well. Not a lot of confidence in the Diaco fence tomorrow <laughs> uh, for Purdue. Okay, 630. This is a big one. TCF Banks in Minneapolis, the Wolverines. And the Gophers, 18 and 21 in the polls. Michigan, a three-point road favorite. Who you like? Yeah, this one's really tough. Um, you know, had this game happened last year, I would have sided with the Golden Gophers. But um, I, I do think Michigan will come out uh, pretty strong in this one. Uh, it's going to be close. I think this one is probably going to be sided by a field goal. But uh, give me the Wolverines in this one. I don't know if I love that pick, but uh, it's what I'm. It's what I'm sticking with. Yeah, I. I just can't seem to buy in on Minnesota, and and it comes back to bite me every year. But I'm going to I'm going to pick Michigan because I think they need it more, and I don't love what I'm hearing at a Minnesota's camp with how they've treated this uh, this off season. It's been it's been pretty intriguing to me, uh, pretty quiet. I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm going to anticipate bad. Uh, because P.J. Fleck w- was not really advocating for any of his players to really play. So game day atmosphere is going to be 
uh, interesting atmosphere because here you go, Minnesota, no fans allowed. This would have been a crazy atmosphere for them if they have allowed fans with game day in the house, but it, that's definitely going to help Michigan out. So give me the Wolverines. I can't believe I'm putting my faith in Sergeant Khaki Pants, but I'm doing it. Uh, I'm taking Michigan. Uh, Greg is also putting his uh, faith in the Harbaugh as well as Josh, but Austin being contrarian and siding with Minnesota. We'll see if that gamble plays off. Yeah, we will. 630 ABC. Also at 630, I know, Tim, you're going to be flipping back and forth from <laughs> Michigan, Minnesota to Maryland and Northwestern in Evanston at Ryan Field. Cats nearly a uh, – they are a two-possession favorite, nearly two touchdowns at 11 and a half. Yeah, uh, a movable object meets a resistible force. Well, I, you know, this one's not going to be a, exactly a, a juicy primetime matchup although it's in that time slot. But give me Northwestern. I, I think they'll win. I, I like that line. Uh, the quarterback play from, from the Wildcats has to be a lot better than last year, which that just was not there uh, last season for them. But I think Pat Fitzgerald's boys will get it done. And Maryland, as we saw last season, uh, and Mike Loxley, they were pretty hapless. I don't expect things to be much different for the Terps. Uh, so give me Northwestern, and I don't think it's going to be particularly close in this one. I think it'll be close just because Northwestern can't put anybody away. They, they can't yeah. ever bury a team. And I have never seen a football team quit like I watched Maryland quit <laughs> on the sideline last year in College Park. So um, I think Peyton Ramsey is an interesting dynamic. You talked about their quarterback play. Northwestern getting him is definitely going to help. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you. Give me Northwestern. Yep, and uh, we all sided with the absentee guys, Josh, Greg, and Austin, who all picked Northwestern as well. Very good. Okay, we are going to pick a couple of national games as well at 11 o'clock on ESPN. NC State and North Carolina, battle of tobacco road between the Wolfpack and the Tar Heels, 4-1 and one against 3-1, and one, Tim. <laughs> you know, North Carolina really, really shocked me uh, with losing to Florida State. I thought Florida State was just this lifeless program, just kind of zombie walking through the season. And turns out they, they almost got blown out. They came back a little bit in the end to make it more respectable. But uh, uh, that being said, I'm, I'm not super confident in the Wolfpack and State. Uh, so I'm going to give North Carolina the slight edge in this one, but uh, this one could go either way. It's a tough one to call. Yeah, two touchdowns is the line for North, North Carolina. I think that's high. I think that's, that's not indicative of, of where these programs are at. Remember, North Carolina almost blew a 28-point lead the week before against Virginia Tech. I'll say Carolina wins, but I, I would agree. My confidence level isn't real high in the Tar Heels right now. Yeah, and our absentees also went with North Carolina, or as Austin calls them, UNC cheat. Uh, <laughs> so there's where they're at. There you go. Okay, very good. Another matchup of ranked teams in the Big 12, 17th-ranked Iowa State, 6th-ranked Oklahoma State, 230 on Fox in Stillwater at Boone Pickens Stadium. Who you like? You know, it's in Boone Pickens Stadium, which, you know, logic w would probably say to side with Oklahoma State. But that being said, I'm going to side with the Cyclones and ISU. I think they'll get it done. They've played Oklahoma State very close in the past. And as we saw uh, with Iowa State's victory over Oklahoma, they might just have that edge with, with Purdy and, and, uh, and Hall, that kind of dynamic duo on offense to get things done. So I think ISU gets it done. Uh, does that win actually put them back in the playoff conversation, even though we kind of wrote them off a little bit ago? I don't know. I don't know, but uh, give me Iowa State. 
I think Iowa State was good for their one upset of the year. I think they already blew it, um, <laughs> and I, I don't know that they have it in them. T- I, you said a while back, though, Tim, you don't think Oklahoma State was worthy of their ranking at the time. I think I want to say they were like 11th or 12th when right. you made that comment. They're up to 6th in the polls right now. So I, I can only imagine how you feel about that <laughs> ranking. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to good. get it over. And I know you're, you're president of the, uh, of the Hubbard fan club, uh, which is I good. Think I've, I've, I've almost tendered my resignation mm. of that fan club, so I'm, I'm not loving it. Uh, what I'm seeing from Oklahoma State, I'm really not. It's only a three-point favorite. Iowa State more than hangs in this game, but I just can't. I can't muster up the courage to pick Iowa State again, even though they burned me last time. I picked Texas Tech to beat them, and they rolled the Raiders. Um, so we'll see. If they roll the Raiders, maybe they can roll the Cowboys. We'll see. Well, Greg's the only one that agrees with me. He picked the Cyclones as well. Josh and Austin siding with Okie State. Pistols firing. Pistols firing indeed. Um, okay, and we'll finish it out here with. A battle of the American Conference. Two nearly top 15 teams in this league, and it's not UCF. Ninth-ranked Cincinnati, 3-0. 16th-ranked SMU, 5-0. Who's going to win? Yeah, this one is a, a kind of an intriguing matchup. Uh, I, I'm still going to side with Cincinnati uh, just because my, my gut says so. Uh, I really have no other good reason than that. Maybe I'm a, such a Luke Fickle fan. Um, who really knows? But... Uh, SMU, uh, they, they did get the edge over Memphis, right, that, that game a few weeks ago. Yes. So, yeah, so uh, give me Cincinnati in this one. It's going to be tough. It's going to be close, but Cincy for sure uh, I think I think is uh, going to get this one. I'm with you, believe it or not. SMU is a field goal favorite in this one, but I'm picking Cincinnati. I, SMU's played a lot of really close games unnecessarily. Um, normally I go with the experienced quarterback in Shane Buchel, the transfer from Texas, but – for some reason, I'm trusting Cincinnati's defense and and hopefully some sloppy play, maybe a pick six or something crazy for Cincinnati. I'm going to choose the underdog in this one. SMU is the higher-ranked team at 16th to Cincinnati's ninth, but they're favored. But I'm going to take the Bearcats. Yep, and that's where uh, Greg, Josh, and Austin are as wow, well. They all really? side with the Bearcats, which is surprising. But uh, SMU's the favorite, and we're all picking the upset, huh? Yeah, look at this. We're all just gamblers. I guess. Goodness gracious. Okay, well, there it is. Uh, interesting. I, I I don't know that I would have expected that in that in that last uh, in that last game there. But yeah, you're right. Not a lot of variance here. Only a couple of people willing to to go out on a limb. A lot of people playing it safe, as you would say, uh, coming out and just uh, you know hoping hoping the safe play keeps them in the in the pick race. There you go. At the end, those are our uh, Big Ten selections and college selections as well. Time to change gears to the National Football League and. Talk some NFL with our good friend Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network and NFL.com. Ian, a lot of jokes being thrown around last night during the Eagles and Giants game with the current status of the NFC East. Giants on the losing end of this one and a big comeback from Philadelphia. If you're a Giants fan right now, what are you what are you thinking? I mean, you're 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 probably frustrated with the start you're probably frustrated with joe judge but also knowing that you're a couple of wins away from competing in the division yeah i mean really like you know if you take out which you can't do obviously but if you take out the miraculous play by boston scott it's a dramatic win for the giants and everyone's talking about you know did they turn their season around i mean i'm not sure that anyone honestly inside the building views it as you know, something where it's gettable. I mean, I think they know that they are rebuilding, and I believe, you know, Joe Judge took this job thinking that he would have to rebuild. But, um, you know, I, I'm, 
it's interesting. I have a lot of Giants fans friends being in New York. I have a lot of people who, you know, take this team very seriously, and they seem incredibly frustrated. Um, I kind of view it a little bit differently, honestly. I mean, to me, they look like a team that's building and headed in the right direction, even if they haven't had any big, you know, big wins. I mean, yes, they should have won that game last night. They should have beat the Cowboys. There's a couple of them. But they're tough. They're physical. They're making some plays. They're right there. You know, if Evan Ingram catches that ball, he's probably still running. So, um, obviously, a lot of questions for the Giants, but to me, just as a neutral observer, you know, I don't think they should be, I don't think fans should be that upset. On the flip side with the Eagles, you mentioned the pretty miraculous win last night. They go and score two touchdowns. They win the game. Carson Wentz has had a very up and down season, but he's had some big fourth quarters. I know there's a lot of frustration with Eagles fans with how he's played this year. But he's, he's made some plays when it counted, including last night, including uh, trying to lead that comeback against Baltimore last Sunday. Where are Eagles fans with their patience level with Carson Wentz and maybe even bleeding over to head coach Doug Peterson? I mean, you know, I was thinking last night, there was a, a play where, you know, Peterson tried to challenge, <laughs> didn't get the challenge flag down in time and couldn't challenge a Giants touchdown. And I'm like, you know what? Like, this is what the story is going to be about. It's going to be about Doug Peterson's inability to throw the challenge flag. And, of course, they ended up winning and nobody cares now. But, you know, I would say in the fan base there is some angst about the head coach. You know, I think with Carson, he really does continue to, despite some up and down, despite some inconsistency, he makes a ton of plays. I mean, he is not perfect, but he's really carrying this team with a bunch of guys that we've never heard of. I mean, Travis Fulgham is probably their best player now, which is just incredible because he was available to anyone, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So a lot of that, a lot of that is them being carried by Carson. Um, and, you know, that to me only bolsters his standing in the league rather than sort of taking away from it. Ian, there's, there's these divisions every year that will, will get a playoff spot that maybe don't deserve one. I think the NFC South had one a few years ago. Obviously, the NFC East this year makes divisions like the AFC West, the NFC West, AFC South, some other divisions that have some pretty good teams that aren't going to get teams in the playoffs, maybe this year with the, with the difference uh, with, with COVID. But how do you size up the NFC East and what you've seen out of that division this year? Is, are, you mentioned that the Giants kind of trending up, kind of wait, wait to be seen with the Cowboys and the Eagles. Where are the trajectories, I guess, of, of, of this division? Well, yeah, I mean, I do think the Giants are trending up. The Cowboys seem to be trending down. And I sort of don't get it because – you know, really, it's um, they got a lot of talent. I mean, not you know, they've had some injuries. They've had some offensive line injuries. Their starting quarterback is not there. That hurts. That hurts big time. Um, so I don't want to minimize that, but they still have good players. They still should be better. Um, you know, they play Washington this week. We'll see what happens there. I think you know Washington is another team that is um, you know in flux. I would say in flux. Um, trying to figure it out, trying to see where they are in the quarterback situation. How big of a rebuild is it? Um, you know, all of these things that they're trying to figure out and see, I mean, it doesn't look like there's a lot to build on right now, but they do have a new coaching staff that I know is trying. Um, and, you know, then the Eagles are just kind of hanging on. Um, 
They make enough plays to stay good and stay relevant. It's a weird division. They're going to host a playoff game. We'll see who ends up doing it. Um, but I would think it's safe to say it is unbelievably wide open right now. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network and NFL.com with us here on Sports Nightly. I'm Ben McLaughlin. Ian, we got a good look at, at Tampa Bay last weekend and what they did to Green Bay. Uh, Bruce Arians, I believe his comment at halftime to TV was, it's about time, now we got to keep going. You're starting to see Gronk going a little bit. They get Chris Godwin back. Ronald Jones has emerged as a really good running back in Tampa Bay. What's the ceiling for the Buccaneers after what you've seen the last few weeks? Yeah, it seems we've come a long way from people wondering, like, you know, are Bruce Arians and Tom Brady going to get mad at each other? You know, I mean, now now it's like, man, how good do the Bucks look? But that's kind of, you know, reality in the NFL, right? I mean, that's just – that's kind of the way it is. I mean, I think the Bucks, uh you know, Brady looks pretty good. The Bucks around him look really good. I think that defense looks just fun. I mean, they are – you know, I hope that um, – Todd Bowles ends up as a, a big-time head coaching candidate again because what he's done with that defense has been really impressive, and I think he's you know learned from some of the mistakes he ended up making in New York. Um, but to me, you know, the Bucks get a statement win like they did last week against a really, really good Packers team. You know, that should mean they're as good as anyone, which is obviously a good sign for a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. Ian, probably the best game, I shouldn't say probably, the best game on Sunday will be undefeated teams with Pittsburgh and Tennessee in the AFC. You saw Derrick Henry run over defenses last week for a 200-yard game, and, and Pittsburgh has looked really strong, tool, too, founding, finding something in Chase Claypool. Um, which of these teams, or maybe both, are, are the biggest threat to Kansas City in the AFC? You know, it's interesting because I, to me, like, I would say Pittsburgh, right? I mean, that's sort of obvious. They they are stacked, they got a you know, Hall of Fame quarterback, they got a good running back, they got a breakout star and receiver, they got a feisty fast defense, they got everything you want. And I said the same thing last week and then I watched the Titans just absolutely unleash Derrick Henry on the world and they look great. I mean for some reason what I do and I'm sure a lot of people in the NFL do is kinda you know, overlook the Titans a little bit. I mean Ryan Tannehill is playing as good as any quarterback in the NFL since taking the job last year, and it still feels like he's kind of underappreciated. I mean, Derrick Henry is the rushing leader from last year and still feels like he's underappreciated. So, um, you know, it's I, w- I think they're really good. I'm just not sure everyone quite understands how good they actually are as of now. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network is our guest. Ian, one more team I, I want to get your thoughts on. And, again, we got another good look at them because playing in prime time is the Arizona Cardinals. And, obviously, 4-2. and two, yeah. They got out to the great start, stumbled a little bit, uh, taking on a 5-0 and o Seattle team Sunday night. But I, I want to kind of bleed this question back into last year. That where did the confidence come from with Cleef Kingsbury, with just them winning? Because – there, there wasn't, like, a ton of, of excitement around them early in the year last year, but there seemed to be a, a point somewhere between then and now to where they've got this confidence, they got this swagger. Kyler's playing like a, a third- or fourth-year guy already. Do you know when that f- switch kind of flipped for them to where they, they think they can compete and they are competing? I think, to me, it kind of felt like it was about a month ago in the season. I mean, they had Patrick Peterson, who – you know, was a pro bowler, but was coming off suspension, wasn't playing well, was kind of disgruntled. 
and everything was going badly, and then they started playing defense. And then they really, really started playing defense. So probably the last month of the season, they were a top defensive unit, and instead of moving on from Vance Joseph, the organization was like, you know what? I think we might have found it. And what they've done defensively has basically been the same. So that's kind of where it comes to me because, you know, Kyler's always been kind of like himself. He's gotten better, but he's always been good. The weapons are kind of what they are, haven't changed much. Um, It's really the defense that started balling. I mean, it's a defense so good that uh, Isaiah Simmons, the first-round pick, hasn't really found his place yet. Um, And he's he's barely even playing. So that's how good this defense is. That's where, to me, some of this sort of swagger kind of goes back to. It'll be an awesome matchup with Seattle this weekend against Sunday night. Okay, Ian, before we cut you loose, get a couple of injury updates. Cincinnati, I know there's a big one with Joe Mixon. I'm trying to think out the top of my head. A.J. Yeah. Brown, I know, has been in the news with, with an injury. And, and, of course, I guess it's becoming a weekly thing, the Falcons receivers with Julio and with Calvin Ridley. Any updates on those four? Uh, yeah, so, you know, Julio sounds like he's, he's primed to play. Joe Mixon, dealing with a foot injury, did not practice this week. Not going to play. I think that's, you know, obviously that that's sort of a big one. Um, another one, you know, Michael Thomas injured uh, injured his hamstring, not his high ankle, but injured his hamstring on Wednesday. Basically, in the pre-practice, in the walkthrough, uh, has not been himself this week. Obviously, his status very much in doubt for Sunday. Uh, those are sort of the big ones, uh, kind of to consider. Very good. Fantasy owners out there, take note. Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network. Ian, appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for giving us a few minutes. Um, Hopefully we get some great games this weekend. Look forward to talking next week. Thanks a lot, man. All right. Can't wait, man. Take care. It's time for the Weekend Preview, the part of the show where we tell you everything you have to watch this weekend. Come in. Watch. It'll be a good one. Sometimes we give you good advice. I could watch that all day. But we're not perfect. There were times I'm like, this is so dumb. Why am I watching this? It's the Weekend Preview with Tim Curran. Well, 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 we have finally made it. The first Weekend Preview in a long time. A long, long time that has Big Ten football featured in it. How does that sound to you, Mr. McLaughlin? Sounds pretty great, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what's in store. Just the duo. Did Illinois just score? Are they going to count that? Huh. Looked yeah, like they, they found I the end zone, they, at least. I don't think they blew the play dead. It was a fumble, and Illinois' defenders were jumping all over the place. We got the ball. We got the ball. Uh, no, you didn't. The ball was laying on the turf. 44 just picks it up and scores. All right. How about that? Hey, hey, we got hey. a ball game. Things are, we just wrote off Illinois a minute ago, and now here they are making things interesting. So uh, I think wh- that's got to count. Nobody had possession of the football. The whistles hadn't blown yet. That's got to stand. BTN thinks it's a touchdown, so <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, that ball is out. That ball is out. Illinois. Look, nobody, nobody has the ball. 44 <laughs> just picks it up. He's like, all right. Wisconsin just standing there. just standing there. Oh, man. What yep. a weird play. The, the 44 had a convoy of seven blockers into the end zone. It would have uh, been a tragedy had he not scored on that yeah. play. A preview uh, of what's yeah. to come. Yeah. Off to a decent little start here with a, with a competitive football game. Illinois gets a big break. 
Uh, just you and I tonight, bud. What do we got going on? Well, uh, d- did you know that Nebraska is playing in a in their very own football game uh, I had tomorrow? Heard. I had heard rumors about that. We're on the street as it's going to be in Columbus uh, against number five Ohio State. That's it, of course, an 11 a.m. kick, 6 a.m. pregame start here on the HSN. But uh, you know, Vegas seems to think there's going to be a lot of points scored. I think you and I both are inclined to agree with that. But I, I think a lot of people are, are probably riding off the Cornhuskers, most especially in the national media. How much of a chance do you give Dearl Nebraska you in this one, Ben? Well, it's it's a tough task. You're a four-touchdown underdog for a reason. I, I I was on the horn with some Ohio State folks today, and 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 they're they're very humble up there. They're they're not just you know we're going to boat race everybody. They're very realistic about what they see from their team from week to week and year to year and even they are are telling us yeah our offense is pretty good you've got five five stars on the o-line you've got a heisman contender and and quarterback you bring in a really good running back trey sermon from oklahoma you've got a first round wide receiver and chris olave and a ton of talent behind him it's going to be tough for coach shenander and the defense tomorrow but i do think nebraska is going to move the ball some tomorrow on the silver bullets you lose chase young you lose two first round corners and kind of the captain of your defense and jordan fuller there's going to be some chances for nebraska tomorrow and move the ball but it is going to be a tough time uh for the huskers tomorrow to, to come out on top but hey their first game's for a reason you see illinois battling blow for blow with wisconsin right now Absolutely. Well, yeah, you can have that TV on and make sure the radio is turned up again. 11 a.m. kickoff, but a 6 a.m. pregame start here on the HSN. Uh, not much competition in terms of Big Ten games, though, because right at 11, it's you have Rutgers and Michigan State uh, yawn. Uh, but then at 2.30, <laughs> uh, you do have a couple of intriguing matchups. That's the Iowa-Purdue game and also number eight, Penn State and Indiana, which, Ben, you have the Hoosiers uh, edging out the Nittany Lions in that one. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think these are two pretty good teams. I think I think Penn State's the better team. Don't get me wrong. I do think that they're better. I think James Franklin has proven he can coach uh, a little bit, and, and he can obviously recruit. No Micah Parsons on that defense. That's a pretty big hole for them to fill. I do think that defense is going to be pretty dang good. Uh, getting Fryermuth back on the offense is big. Journey Brown's a good running back. And Penn State's a good team. I think Indiana is too, and I, and I don't know. I just weird things happen in Bloomington. They've come so close to upsetting these big teams in the past, Be, winning in the final drive, winning in the final three minutes, coming from behind. We've we've kind of seen about everything uh, from Indiana except a win over one of these big teams. I think uh, Penix is solid, really good. Stevie Scott back. I like what they have on offense around them at the receiver position. Little worried about their defense. But, yeah, I'm rolling the dice. Weird stuff happens this first week, and Indiana's at home. Who knows? Uh, Give me the Hoosiers. 2.30 on FS1, the other 2.30 game, Iowa-Purdue. That's on BTN. At 6.30, you got the the game everyone's talking about, of course, Maryland and Northwestern. uh, That's on BTN. But the real one, uh, number 18, Michigan, number 21, Minnesota. That'll be a 6.30 primetime game on ABC. And we both think Michigan wins this one, but uh, not by much. I think it'll be close. Yeah, Tim Tebow was calling for the upset today on whatever show he's on anymore. I, I did see that on Twitter, um, you know, that he was thinking Minnesota could could do it. Um, but we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see how this thing plays out. I'm eager to see what type of shape Minnesota is in. Michigan was one of those teams that were, were, were touting to play. Minnesota we didn't hear a lot from. It didn't really sound like they wanted to play. How ready are they? We will find out. Getting Rashad Bateman back is huge. Tanner Morgan had a huge year. Uh, a year ago and 
Um, you know, you lose you lose a couple of parts offensively, but still you get a lot of what you like back. And defensively, I think is is where you know where they're gettable. Losing Antoine Winfield, who's the heartbeat of that defense, Carter Coughlin, who was there for 14 years. You know, you've got a, you've, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm excited to see how this thing boils down tomorrow. Uh, definitely, yeah. Six thirty on ABC, and also the other matchup, Maryland Northwestern. If you are uh, a masochist and want to tune into that, six thirty on BTN. Uh, other college football games as well. Plenty of action on on tomorrow. If you're not uh, looking at Big Ten games, you got Syracuse number one Clemson uh, at eleven a.m. on the ACC network. I don't really know anyone that has the ACC network unless <laughs> they're stealing someone's like cable or something. Uh, I don't think I give Syracuse much of a chance. Uh, do you against the Tigers, Ben? Uh, uh, no, not after them scoring 73 last week. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty intense. Uh, Georgia Tech still looking their wounds into that one. Another intriguing ACC game, though. This one will be on ESPN 11 as, as well. Number 14, North Carolina, and number 23, NC State. I think we both like the Tar Heels in this one, but kind of like that Michigan game we were talking about, uh, it's really going to be tough to, to, to slice this one. It's going to be close. Yeah, North North Carolina last year was, or excuse me, last week was really confusing. I mean, they made the good comeback in the second half, but that Florida State program was lifeless. That should have been a pretty easy win for them. Uh, but Florida State got to credit credit them. Home game, nice crowd, and we're able to pull the huge upset. Uh, we've seen North Carolina kind of dip down a, a couple of times. Virginia Tech's solid. I don't want to take anything away from them, but you're up four scores. you got to bury a team, and, and they did not do that. So I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how this game unfolds. I like Carolina. I'm not sure what to make of NC State just yet. They've been pretty inconsistent. So I'll take Mac Brown in the heels in this one. Yeah, real quick, going through the other 11 a.m. games, you got number 20 K-State in Kansas in an interstate rivalry. You also have a number 25-ranked Coastal Carolina taking on Georgia Southern. Uh, Mercer will square off with our nation's Army. Auburn facing off against Ole Miss. And also you got Oklahoma and TCU, a game that's probably lost a little bit of luster, uh, but that went on at 11 a.m. on ABC. The Sooners taking on the Horned Frogs. Also at 11, Temple squaring off with Memphis. Florida State taking on Louisville. Uh, which brings us to 1 o'clock, Tulane and UCF. UCF getting that loss, and the, they had a kind of a tiff on the uh, sidelines there with the kicker missing the field goal. Uh, so the yeah. Golden Knights, uh, I, I think Heupel's stock has kind of fallen. Well, I think you'd probably agree. Uh, well, man, there was 100 points scored in that game last week between yeah. Memphis and UCF. Yeah, you're right. That wasn't a good look at the end of that game. Third-string quarterback goes up and says something to your kicker who just missed a game-winning field goal, and they – they almost go fisticuffs on the sideline. That's that's not what you want. <laughs> Wasn't good. Uh, you also have FAU number 22, Marshall, playing at 1.30. Then at uh, 2.30 on CBS, you have number two, Alabama, taking on old Rocky Top, Tennessee. Uh, I might have given Tennessee a, a, a small chance uh, heading back to last week, but but after seeing them lay that egg and those pick sixes like you were talking about, Ben, uh, give me the Crimson Tide by a wide margin. Yeah, that's a boatload. That's that's going to be a boat race tomorrow. I I just don't see Tennessee competing at all. Offensively, they're a mess, and it doesn't matter what they run out there defensively. Alabama's going to score on everyone and score a bunch. So I like the Tide huge 
in this one yeah. tomorrow. You also have number three Notre Dame and Pitt at that same time frame, 2.30 on ABC. Uh, the Irish, uh, they, they, they did beat Louisville last week, but it didn't look pretty. Uh, who knows, maybe Pitt muddies the waters and, and makes things interesting in, in this one. Uh, you also have uh, a big one, number 17, Iowa State, number six, Okie State. I think you and I uh, took different tacks on this one. I, I think the Cyclones have the edge, and uh, uh, they'll get the upset if we can call it that against Oklahoma State. Pistol's not firing tomorrow, at least <laughs> if I have my say. Yeah, I, I just don't trust Iowa State. I I mean, not that I have a ton of trust in Oklahoma State from what I've seen, but I'm just not really optimistic with with uh, with Iowa State. Just, just their track record overall, not even an indictment of this year alone under Matt Campbell, but it seems like you know they're they're good for one or two of those games a year and the other ones they just they fall short but that's a big opportunity for them tomorrow against the number six ranked team in the country in Oklahoma State on the road so big opportunity I just I don't trust either team I just trust Iowa State a little less right 230 on Fox in case you're curious number 19 Vatek taking on Wake Forest another ranked matchup you also have Houston Navy in that same time frame on CBS Sports Network uh Baylor and Texas who are not back Texas, no, not back. 2.30 on ESPN, though, in case you want to watch those two teams slug it out. A couple other interesting matchups, Georgia Tech and Boston College. Well, I wouldn't call Georgia Tech Boston College that interesting, but there you have it, 3 o'clock on ACC Network uh, if you are uh, you know, one of those people. Uh, Kentucky and Mizzou, 3 o'clock on SEC Network. West Virginia, Texas Tech playing at 4.30 on ESPN, too. You also have South Carolina and LSU at, at 6 o'clock in a game that would have been a lot more intriguing had LSU really not dropped the ball. Bo Pelini, Ben, Having a heck of a year as defensive coordinator uh, for the Tigers. We expected LSU to take a big step back. I mean, you lose the amount of production that they had on both sides of the football, offensively, defensively. I mean, you lose Joe Burrow, starter in the NFL. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, starter in the NFL. Justin Jefferson, starter in the NFL. And on the defensive side, loads of talent, including one of your best players in Patrick Queen, starter for the Ravens right now. Yeah, it is a, it's a pretty crazy, crazy thing to see the amount of talent turnover that LSU's had, and you're, you're seeing them struggle. Um, I think their quarterback, lat, was it last week or the week before, that played with like a, like a torn muscle in his abdomen or oh. something like that, um, and still threw for 400 yards. So gutsy effort there, but you're right. This is not the season that LSU fans expected. Uh, definitely not. Well, a couple uh, night games at 7 o'clock. You have Virginia taking on number 11, Miami. The, the Cavs have had kind of a rough one. They're on three straight losses, so we'll see if they can snap out of it uh, coming into this one. And then number 9, Cincy, and number 16, SMU. Uh, as SMU technically were the slight favorites, but uh, you and I both think Cincinnati going to get this one done. So there you go. Yeah, have it. interesting time. I think, uh, you know, I, I don't, again, two different kind of styles. SMU likes to score. Cincinnati more known for their defense, and we'll, we'll clash it up. Clash it up here uh, tomorrow. Uh, 8 o'clock on ESPN2. Then three night games for those people who don't like to sleep. Texas State, number 12, BYU at 9.15. UNLV, San Diego State at 9.30. Also at 9.30, you have the Air Force Academy squaring off with San Jose State. Uh, Those games will be well into the wee hours of the night by the time they are over. Well, before we get to the NFL, that brings us to the World Series. Games 4 and 5 will be on Saturday and Sunday, both around at 7 o'clock on Fox. Uh, But they actually are playing Game 3 as we speak with a series tied at 1-1. The Dodgers 
getting the better of the Rays uh, right now. Five to nothing to score in the bottom of the wow. fourth. Uh, ben, do you see LA holding on to not just this game but the the series? Well, this this was the huge one because you had Charlie Morton pitching, and I know it's a tough matchup for them offensively against Bueller, but the way that Morton pitched in his last start, you felt like Tampa Bay could have an edge, but. This is yeah. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna lose a start with one of their better guys going. So yeah, I'm not I'm not too optimistic with them coming from behind. Uh, not only tonight, but in the series. Now I, I called Tampa Bay the the team of destiny. Uh, so who knows? Maybe I gave them the kiss of death. Uh, the Dodgers are a solid team, and I think even before this weird 60 game season started, I think I had LA going to the World Series and taking the. The title anyway. So anyway, uh, games four and five will be Saturday and Sunday. Uh, brings us to the NFL, a whole host of games at noon, starting with Lions and Falcons uh, puke. Um, you also have the Browns and the Bengals, the interstate Ohio uh, matchup. Joey Burrow uh, getting a chance to take on the Browns. Browns actually doing pretty decent this year, four and two, but they had kind of a shocker last week. Uh, do you give Joey B much of a chance in this one? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I do. I think that, um, you know, it's been um, interesting to watch their season unfold. I think the progression of that offense is certainly an interesting dynamic. I, losing Joe Mixon is going to hurt. I mean, that, um, they yeah, I don't know. I Cleveland got, got smacked last week, and I think they're, they're kind of proving they're a little bit of a fraud. So I do give them a chance. Not a great one, but... 30%, 30% chance. All right. I think I think they'll take that for sure. Uh, also at noon, you have the Steelers and Titans, both teams that have been uh, pretty good this year and I think uh, performed slightly better to expectations. Panthers-Saints playing at noon as well. And then, uh, you know, uh, the nation's eyes will also be turned to the Bills and the Jets. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really not sure how Adam Gay still has a job, to be quite frank with you. That's, <laughs> yeah. That is all I can say about the Jets. Yeah, they're – they're not in a good spot. Uh, neither are the Texans who take on the Packers at noon, but Aaron Rodgers had kind of a shocker last week. Uh, I still managed to pull out the fantasy win over you, Ben, even though Aaron Rodgers got me a hole of like four points uh, starting him. But uh, yeah. who knows if Green Bay – I had them pegged uh, to go to the Super Bowl the way they are playing uh, early on. But, yeah, the, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had them pretty much figured out. So who knows what will happen uh, between them two. Yeah, it's – it was uh, it was hard. I mean, it wasn't hard, but for Packers fans, it was hard to watch last week against Tampa Bay, and Wisconsin is just dumping it on Illinois right now. Graham Mertz back to back touchdown passes. That's four on the night for him. They're up now twenty eight to seven over Illinois. This thing is over. But yeah, I uh, I'm intrigued to see how Green Bay bounces back. And for Tampa Bay, you heard me talk to Ian about it last hour. I you get the sense they got a little swag going right now and they go and sign Antonio Brown from whenever he's off suspension. So right. Interesting cast for them. Yeah. Buccaneers and Raiders uh, at three o'clock in a game that uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think actually has some COVID implications. Now I, I saw a headline. They might actually move that game to Monday or Tuesday, but uh, as of right now, that game's still scheduled to go at three o'clock, two teams that are definitely been intriguing and good this year. That three twenty-five, Ben, your chiefs, Squaring off with the Broncos, a game I would fully expect KC to win, but uh, you never know in, the, in this year. Uh, we could see the, the Broncos shake things up as they did to my beloved Patriots. That was rough to watch, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um, 
Also 325, uh, speaking of the Patriots, they're taking on the 49ers. Uh, the Patriots might have a chance to right the ship, but uh, I'm not super confident given Cam Newton's options at wide receiver. You also have the Jags and Chargers 325, and I'm already bored of that matchup, and it hasn't even started yet, so I don't think anyone's really too cares about that one. Uh, then 720, Sunday night football, as Kerry uh, Underwood says, everyone's waiting all day for the Seahawks and the Cardinals. The Seahawks seem to play on Sunday night every week. Uh, but two teams that, that have a really exciting quarterbacks. Um, give me Seattle in that one, though. I, I'd give them the edge, despite the fact that Arizona are a, a team that, frankly, I did not expect Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals to have a good season as they're having, but uh, they're doing pretty decent. I'll take the Cardinals. I'll, I'll be different. I, I don't trust Seattle's defense very much right now, but I do trust Russell Wilson. He's playing at a high level, but weird things happen. I'll take the Cardinals, even though they're coming off a short week basically a bye week that they had this last week against uh against dallas so yeah it should be intriguing it, it'll hold my attention on sunday that that's there's no doubt about that all right that brings us up to a few minor events uh pga tour the zozo championship in thousand oaks california is happening right now or at least it wrapped up for today a little while ago justin thomas uh in first place at 14 under par he's leading the field uh, in that one, Bubba Watson uh, in the in the mix. He's tied for sixth, uh, and Patrick Reed uh, and, and Tony Finau right in that mix as well. They're they're all tied for sixth, so they might be able to make up some ground. But right now, Justin Thomas holding on to that lead. Then Ben, uh, you also have UFC 254. I know you, you you get a little bit in the UFC, the lightweight main event. It's Khabib taking on Justin Gaith. I can't even say his name. It's like Gaith Justin like that. Uh, Khabib undefeated. Uh, so if you're curious for that one, Ben, Saturday at 1 p.m. on pay-per-view, I know you have your, your Husker football duties. won't be able to be tuned in for that one. But uh, as someone who kind of marginally falls the UFC, Khabib is a name that I'm pretty familiar with, and uh, he's going to have a test tomorrow. Uh, but we'll see if that trips him up uh, in Abu Dhabi. 28-0 taking on Justin Gaith of the America, the American, who's 22-2. and so. Yeah, it'll be, it should be a decent fight. It's been a while since we've seen Khabib fight. And, uh, yeah, intrigued to see how many uh, – how long this fight goes and, and, and the result, there's no doubt. So, yeah, good weekend, good stuff. A lot happening, as Tim told you, a lot of football uh, to be played, including Big Ten for the first time here in 2020. Sports Nightly on a Friday. Thanks to everybody for spending part of your evening with us. You made it to the weekend, most of you. Um, if you're working this weekend, have the radio on. Well, we'll have you covered for 12 and a half hours tomorrow. All right, Timmy, before we wind down the evening, give us some winners and losers of the week. Well, uh, one of my losers comes from the NFC East, which really could be our perennial losers for the rest of the NFL season. They are absolutely pathetic. Uh, but you probably saw old Daniel Dimes, 80-yard yeah. scamper. Uh, it was basically going to be a touchdown, but the turf monster gobbled him up, and uh, the Giants ended up losing that football game. Uh, to, which should be a surprise to no one. The, the New York Giants and the New York Jets uh, both combine to find new, hilarious, miserable ways to, to lose football games every week, uh, which, you know, uh, does not make me upset. If New York football teams lose every week from here on out, uh, I will be just fine. Well, uh, my, my winner of the week comes from the Tampa Zoo as a baby rhinoceros uh, was born there, and they, of course, named him after... Uh, Gronk. Uh, Baby Gronk oh. is the name of this new rhino. And, uh, you know, like America's ready to embrace this rhinoceros just like they've embraced Tampa Tom <laughs> and uh, the Buccaneers, right? That's funny. Um, I, you know, I'm having a hard time coming up with a loser of the week, to be honest with you. But I, I, I am, I do have one, and I'm, 
I'm going to say it's Tampa Bay. I Look, I, oh. I'm so over Antonio Brown. Like, this dude is a clown show, an Fair. utter clown show. You don't need him. You, you got Mike Evans. You got Chris Godwin. Ronald Jones is doing well. You have Gronk. You have Tom Brady. You don't need him. Tom Brady really wants him to be a part of this thing. He's really pushed him to, to sign them, and he did. Um, so I just I think this is going to be a disaster again, just like it was at the Raiders. Not a great move, in my opinion. My winner, Tim, all of Husker Nation. We've waited 330 days to watch Nebraska play football, and that wait will come to a close tomorrow as Nebraska and Ohio State will go at it at the Horseshoe in Columbus. We did it, Tim. We, we did it. <laughs> well, we did it most especially. You and I did the groundwork. Well, actually, <laughs> Nebraska, though, I mean, they, they deserve a lot of credit, not just Bill Moose and – Coach Frost and, and, and the coaching staff, but the, all the players, all the fans, all of the, the, the parents of the players, uh, they really put their pressure on on the Big Ten Conference. And I'm not going to say it was the only consideration or the only reason why we're, we're playing Big Ten football, but they led this charge saying, hey, listen, we have a voice in this and we want to play. And, you know, also I think the uh, – some of the certain national figures who were very much against Nebraska when they came out and and, and had their message uh, are are pretty quiet now about the matter. So I think Nebraska has been vindicated in all this. And uh, yeah, it's just good to have football back. Yeah, definitely. So winners and losers of the week, all leading up to tomorrow, Nebraska, Ohio State, fifth ranked Buckeyes at home, Nebraska opening their 2020 season. Third year under head coach Scott Frost. What is in store for us tomorrow and for the season? We will find out in 14 hours from now, kickoff from Columbus. My thanks to everyone that was a part of this one tonight. Thanks to Greg Sharp. Thanks to Cade Warner, Ian Rappaport. My thanks to Tim Curran for producing and co-hosting tonight. Good work tonight, Tim. Thanks to all of you for listening. Busy day tomorrow, 6 a.m., 12 and a half hours. Husker football coverage, opening drive, Greg Sharp, Jeremiah Searles, Brendan Stein, and I, and us to follow. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you Monday.